0: Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Epic. As you can see, uh, we have the Costa Rica team up here. And yesterday, the Guatemala team got back uh, yesterday about 6 o'clock in the evening. They got up like at 3 o'clock and they're behind like by two hours. So some of them are here. So, uh, But anyways, uh, they're going to be coming back next week to let all of us know what happened in Guatemala. But uh, today we're going to celebrate what happened in Costa Rica and uh, local missions or missions... Uh, in the world uh, just excite my heart. Uh, I love going out on mission trips because we truly get to see a glimpse of what God is doing in the world, and often God also changes our lives as well. And so today with me, uh, we're going to be unpacking the Costa Rica trip, and I have uh, the team up here, and I just want to introduce you quickly to those who went uh, to Costa Rica. We have Christian and Scott uh, down there on the end, and then Terry Garrett, Nadine, Cody, Michelle, and Scott right here, Christina, Kaylee, Lisa, Jonathan, and Crystal went on the trip, and you would be proud of them. They did a great job of representing you guys. They worked hard. They were flexible. uh, They loved on children all week. Uh, They were just willing to serve and do whatever uh, was needed. And so thank you guys as well for your prayers and then also uh, your support as well, uh, because they did an amazing job. And today we are going to be unpacking for you, what happened in Costa Rica, and we'll be having a few of the team members come up uh, to help us out. So I'm going to have uh, several of the team members go off stage, and then we're going to kind of go. So go ahead and, and walk on down, and um, let me tell you a little bit of what we do with our partnerships when we uh, discover. Um oh, Christian, when we uh, go out globally one of our strategies is basically to um, look for churches that are making a difference uh, in that country, uh, churches that are similar to our heartbeat and our passion. So if you went to that country, you would pretty much say, wow, that church is familiar. It's kind of like Epic, but maybe they speak in a different language or something. Um, So we look for churches that are making a difference in other countries, partnering with them and teaming with them in reaching out to their communities and seeing what they are doing in their communities. So the church that we're partnering with in Costa Rica is called Open House, and it began just over a year ago, and Julio and Ashley uh, left the United States. Julio is the lead pastor. (coughs) He's from Venezuela. Um, Ashley's an American, and they started this church uh, just over a year ago, and they are growing like crazy. They are already over 400 people in the church and they are meeting every other week and they just went to two services and just like us as we're going to be moving to a new location they had also moved to a new location while we were down there as well and so some great things are happening but let me tell you a little bit about San Jose which is the capital of Costa Rica San Jose uh, is uh, the population is 2.5 million people the entire country is four and a half million people Uh, large there. And so most of the people are concentrated in Costa Rica. And there's a large gap between the lower class and then the middle to upper class, and there's not a huge population concentration in the middle to upper class. And so there's really a big gap in between, and the poor are really poor uh, in Costa Rica. And that's what we're going to be kind of unpacking today. And uh, let me introduce you to Christina. Uh, Christina is actually originally from Colombia, and uh, it's really interesting because Christina grew up in a country that had some similar dynamics in terms of just uh, there's this really poor class, and then there's this real upper to middle class and everything. And so when we were at Open House uh, Church, Christina, let me ask you this question. Um, Basically, why did seeing something like Open House uh, Church kind of delight your heart? What was it?
1: I was really um, excited just to see a church just like Epic, but in Spanish, um and uh, it was it was amazing how um, i didn 't know how many people were going to be there, and then just seeing all these pe- people walking and walking and and at the end between two services we they you know we had four hundred people, which you know just to think that only a year ago this church started, and to have four hundred people was incredible and just to um, look back I'm, I was like you said uh, born and raised in uh, Colombia. And ninety percent of the people there is uh, Catholic, but um you know um, we don't practice you know I, I used to be you know grew up, grew up in um, being Catholic uh, but not going to church uh often and uh, you know just to see that they target uh, the middle and upper class and that you see the commitment of these people it really i was I was shocked and i i um spoke with a few people, and uh, they were, um, you know, they were telling me the same. They didn't feel, um, you know, how they can grow spiritually. And they, um, you know, in Open House, they found that they can, you know, um, take like a next step. Um, So it was great to see that, um, and the goal is to have, you know, all these people Um, start serving the community and take the next steps to um, really, you know, all these people, they have a lot of talents, a lot of um, resources. Uh, Some, they have the time to do it. It's just to find the path to get there and serve the people that need
0: Yeah, I love what Christina said. Um, Down there, basically, the middle to upper class have pretty much turned their backs on God. You know, they've gone to the Catholic Church. They're tired of that and everything. And and no one is really reaching out to that class. But yet, that class is the ones who can make the biggest difference uh, in terms of what's going on there economically and everything. And yet, they almost kind of disconnect themselves from what's going on. And yet, it's literally right across what we saw, a highway or a river is these just shanty towns or these slums areas, and yet across the street, across this interstate, is a huge, uh, just, you know, rich area uh, in that area. Um, Now, we had kind of an interesting thing happen. Your husband actually has a relative uh, who turned out only lived like five minutes from where we were staying. Um, Tell us a little bit about that relative and telling them, uh, being able to tell them about Open House and what that meant to you.
1: Yeah, uh, this is... uh, um Nathan's uh, grandmother and um, you know some of his family cousins and aunt. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to meet with them because we had a really tight um, schedule but um, at the end of the trip um, I had a chance to meet with them for a few hours and they were really um, curious about um, why I was there why I was visiting Costa Rica not really to visit them initially but um, <laughs> You know they didn 't know what I was doing, so I, I had a chance to really explain um, what led me um, to um, on this mission trip and what was a mission trip because they didn 't understand why you know you 're coming to our country to really serve and I know that you have two kids and a husband why you will leave them um, so we had a really amazing conversation. Um, about the work that we did and how it really affect me in a, in a wonderful way. Um, and I can see them very curious to know more and more. Um, you know, um, Nathan's aunt, she has been involved in politics, and she, she, she has done a lot for um, Costa Rica. She has been raised Catholic, but she didn't even know about this organization, uh, Roble Alto. So um, it was amazing. You know to see her you know more and more asking and, and she wanted to be involved, and she wanted to do more things and um, she has a son um, and the son has a you know um, a son and a daughter, and she was um, sharing that they are Catholic, but they don 't go to church, and uh, she would love to see um, her son and grandson and granddaughter doing something for the community and being involved and she didn 't know how to how to do it, and she thought. You know, she didn't even know about Open House, so she asked me more information, and I gave her the information, and um, at the end of the conversation, it happened to be that her neighbor um, was helping us uh, during the trip, because they, they were organizing the trip for us, like coordinating, scheduling, everything. So um, it happened to be her neighbor, so then there was another connection there, and You know, it was almost like we were talking and everybody was kind of related. And and she felt like, um, you know, I want to explore that. She didn't say I'm going to go next week or anything. I just gave her the information and it was, you know, a way just to open um, that door. And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, getting closer to God is really um, serving that's how I get closer to God. There are many ways to get closer to God, you know, reading the Bible, praying. But when I serve, I really feel that I, I have a connection, deep connection with God. And I felt like when I talked with her, she was reaching for the same. She was like, I can connect like that, and I know that this is the path that, um, you know, I want to follow. And, and uh, it, was, it was just a connection that I didn't expect to have during this trip, and it happened. So. Awesome.
2: That's
0: cool. Well, thank you very much, Christina, for sharing those thoughts with us and stuff as well. And it's just amazing. When you go on these types of mission trips, you just never know... uh who you're going to run into. And yet this relative lived down the street just a little bit away and able to share about open house and everything. And, and that's the cool thing about mission trips. When when we go on a mission trip, we often will, you know, find that church that's making a difference, but then it is also partnering with an organization in the community that's really making a difference and really sharing God's love with everyone else. And, um, Open House has partnered with an organization called Roble Alto, and that's where we spent the bulk of our time uh, for the week there at Roble Alto and helping them. And Roble Alto was started by missionaries uh, 80 years ago, and their heartbeat is to reach out to children who are living in poverty. And if you can imagine uh, Palm Coast being like a slum area full of about 75,000 people, Um, there was this one section that we got to visit where people are living in desperate situations, and these slum areas are all across the community, and Alto is targeting these communities, building child day care centers in those communities, so they have three right now, And basically what happens is in most of those areas, living conditions are horrible, um, and most of the parents are single fathers or single mothers, and they have a decision uh, to make. Whether they go to work and work all day um, and leave their kids at home Uh, to fend for themselves or to allow their kids to go out and work um, and they stay home or they go out to work as well. Because most of those areas, imagine uh, the size of Palm Coast only having one school for all the children of Palm Coast. And yet in that area, if they do go to school, they only can go to school for half a day. And then the second half of the day, Some more kids come in for that day. So what do you do with your kids? You've got four-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds just wandering the streets pretty much. And the situation is that there are mostly gangs in those areas as well who are trying to recruit these kids into drugs, selling drugs, or into prostitution. And many of these kids are getting abused physically from neighbors or sexually as well. And so Roble Alto has gone in to try to help them. For 80 years, they've been uh, making a difference in children's lives. And so they have three child care centers with about 650 kids that attend amongst all three of them. They have foster homes as well where they serve about 90 kids and there's a school there as well where kids are removed from homes and they uh, work on these kids and work on these families to help them uh, pretty much get a good education, uh, pour the love of God into them help them to know who God is and everything. And then also they have professional groups. Once you reach age 12, you're done with school. So then they have professional groups that are mentoring these kids after they're done with the program, helping them to get skills and everything. And then they have a child sponsorship program as well. And so they're doing a great work. And what we want to do, I can't describe it enough in words. And so what we want to do is show you a video um, where Roble Alto wants to build a fourth child care center. And it will give you a little bit more of a glimpse of the area that we actually saw. This is the area that we saw where some of these kids were coming from, where the child care center that we were working at, and how they're desiring to build a new child care center. And they're only like $200,000 away uh, from meeting that goal. The government believes in them so much that they're funding Roble Alto by 40%. Now, governments just don't do that. And so, Roble Alto is having a 95% success rate uh, in getting these kids and these families off on a great uh, leg in life. And so, it's amazing the work that they are doing. So, check out this video.
2: Los Guido. This is a slum, one of the poorest areas of Costa Rica. Most of the people that live around here are Nicaraguans, immigrants that come and work. The land belongs to the government and they build their little shacks with scrap metal that they buy around. They don't have any basic services or they just grab their electricity from whatever they can. Uh, The water they use they take it from the piping. The smell here is, is terrible. What you're seeing there is raw sewage flowing from the house to the creek. The lack of hope that people feel here is one of the saddest things. There is a lot of child labor.
3: My oldest, I had to ask him not to go to high school anymore, and he's working at a coffee plantation. He doesn't make much because his hands are little, so he can't grab lots of coffee, but at least he can have two boxes, and for two boxes he gets paid a dollar. It really hurts. It hurts every morning when I see him going to work, and I don't want the same thing to happen to the rest of my children.
4: We always get up early. We go make the candy and we go off to sell. Basically, every day we're out from 9 in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. There's a lot of drugs on the street. There's a lot of violence. Way too
5: much.
3: A part of me is ashamed to go
5: in the streets and sell stuff, but another part of me knows how important it is. Without it, we can't eat. I feel insecure here. I am 13, and people look at me in a different way. I don't feel safe.
3: I don't like my children to go to work, but I don't have other choice. If my children were in a daycare, then I would go to work. I can't go and get a job, because no one will take care of my children.
2: There are a lot of challenges that face a man in society today. How do you maintain dignity and serve and raise your family in a place that's so tragic? We need a place that's safe for our kids.
3: Because of the need, the parents go to work and they leave the little children with the oldest and the oldest could be seven years old and they stay home alone and because of that there are people taking advantage of them they can abuse them in any way and sometimes even families and neighbors
5: are part of the abusers
3: I am afraid of the
5: gangs. they walk around with guns and I don't like to see them just yesterday I saw them again so I am afraid to go outside Los Guidos has more than 70,000 desperate needy people there. Every time I go there, my heart just goes out to them. I weep because of the great need there. The people in Los Guido don't have one ounce of hope. But the Lord wants to do great things for those people in Los Guido. The same that he's been doing for those 76 years through Robri Alto. Through Robri Altos, three daycare centers, and temporary shelter, families are finding hope, and that hope comes through Jesus Christ. But Roblialto is a lot more than just a daycare center. Alto is a family therapy center. There's so much more, but over everything, the part that really counts is when they come to know the Lord. Until they come to know the Lord and see that He cares for them, and that he has a plan for their lives, there really is not too much motivation. But once they realize that, it changes their whole life.
6: Your courage asks me what I'm afraid of and what I know of love.
5: Once they come to
3: Roble Alto, they start getting a steady job, making money, the children do one in school, they stop the being violent, they stop their addictions, the children behave correctly, they grow up with a different perspective. And because of that, 95% of our families are healed and the cycle of dysfunction is stopped and they go on to rest healthy next generations.
0: Now, um the week that we were there, like I said, the bulk of the week we spent at one of the child care centers of Roble Alto, and uh, while we were there, we really focused on the children, and we were able to help with the teachers and their activities that they were doing during the week. Uh, we also helped uh, put on different workshops. We put on a tie-dye workshop, a health food uh, workshop, uh, different like uh, braided bracelets, and then put on tons of activities in their gym with relay races and everything. And as they came into the gym, we would uh, play and everything. And then we helped with their snack times and their lunches. And then a whole new crew would come in the afternoon. And so it was about 150 kids between both mornings that would come in between the two of them. And it was just a great time of pouring into these kids and realizing that these kids come from those slum areas. And yet, uh, they are some of the most happiest kids that we've seen. And so up here I have Nadine, Scott, and Terry. And uh, Nadine, let me just ask you this question as we start out. Um, you can tell us about visiting the slums and how that kind of impacted you and then how just working with the children impacted you as well.
4: I was, um, I expected to see what we saw as far as the, what the slums looked like, but I wasn't expecting what I felt. And um, as we were driving through, you could, it almost felt empty, uh, you could feel like the hopelessness and um, sadness as you drove through the place and um, We visited the slums before we we worked with the kids, and I was just kind of expecting the kids to be different than they were, and I was expecting them to be guarded and um, you know maybe misbehaving i, I wasn 't expecting them to be. As happy as they were and um, it was amazing to see them when, when we got there the, the love they just they let us love on them and their hugs were strong their smiles were huge and it, it's a, it's very sad to think that they go home to that place so
0: and how did that how did the trip just working with those children impact you personally
4: um it made me feel like I, I know I could do more and give more and love more, and I need to do those things. Um, and, and I have so much um, that I, I, you know, I, compl- I have no business ever complaining about anything in my life after seeing what we saw. So.
1: Thanks. Thanks
0: very much. Terry, let me... Uh ask you this question. Um, Tell us about the love that you observed from the staff working with the children, and then also uh, what you experienced with the children, the love uh, that you got to experience and then also give as well.
6: Um, With the staff, it was, uh, first of all, Pamela was one of the women that, um, I guess one of the head. Um, people there and she was the one that kind of introduced us to what we were going to be seeing everything and anytime she told us a personal story about one of these kids she would almost tear up and so you could just feel that she was emotionally involved with these kids and you could see it with the staff when we were there Um, they fed them huge meals you know because it might be the only good meal they get the whole day Um, they took a lot of care with them cleaning them up brushing their teeth little details um, I know, just kind of. I thought that was really cool. Even just the fact that they make birthdays a really huge deal there. So we sang a lot of Happy Birthday to the kids. When we were there. Mm-hmm. There were prayers for them. Then um, the love of the kids was amazing, um, based, you know, a lot off of what Nadine said. It was kind of the way that I felt with these kids too. You know, we saw what they were coming from the poverty and all that. And you would think sometimes that they would have every right to be bitter and misbehave and whatever, but they, they weren't like that. The love they were getting while they were in the center, you could tell that they appreciated that. We were told ahead of time, oh, when you go there, they're gonna think you're like superstars. And we were like, oh, okay. But it was true, because they really treated us like that. It was, um, it was overwhelming how happy they were to see us. And we were the ones that were privileged to spend time with these kids. And they were smiling and they were so full of love. And when we got to say goodbye to them, they all came at us from every direction, hugging us with the biggest hugs. Um, you know, little people—they were so strong, and they were giving us kisses. And it was—that was a very overwhelming moment for me, just to feel that love and how much they were happy that we were there. It was just really cool. Cool,
0: Scott. Um, kind of, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from the week? As you look at everything that we did and stuff, the. Work project that we did, working with the kids and everything. What what was a big moment for you?
2: I think my biggest moment was, uh, excuse me, uh, when you look at the darkness that they're coming out of. The that there's such a beacon of light of the Holy Spirit just working on that whole area. That these children that just uh, you you think every right that they would have to, to hold on to their things and not give them up because they have nothing, and all they have is love. They they are still willing to give. And uh, I watched uh, one of the, well, actually one of the classrooms I was with, there was some holiday that they all had little bags of candies. And I'm thinking, you know, all right, most American kids, I'm going to pretend I'm going to reach in there and grab a piece of candy from them and I'm going to take a few. And I reached in there and they offered it to me. All of them did. And as I reached in there, I figured, all right, he's going to pull back. But they didn't. Four or five more kept on giving me more candies, a bag. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I was just joking with them. And what they did is they went around to each little kid that didn't have a piece of candy and gave it away. And, and, and it was funny to see the, the smile that would come over that one little boy or one little girl. That, uh, that was just amazing. To, to, they were better to, to give than to receive. And, and that's what they have down there. They have a, a, a just an anointing of the Holy Spirit around that whole area. Uh, you know the children, the love that was poured out to us was just just amazing, and I kept on trying to give and, and give away, but I just kept on getting and receiving more and more from the the uh, children that they had nothing but love to give, and, and, and as little what they had, they were willing to give that away too, and, and uh, you know it's just it just kind of really blew me away to see these kids weren't un, they weren't selfish in any way, you know, and, and that I could see and. and and uh, like I said, the, the Holy Spirit is such a dark area. The Holy Spirit is like a beacon out there of light. And these people are being drawn to it. It's just amazing to, to see how much we have and, and, and hold on to it. as They are just willing to give away. You know. Yes. It was neat just to see the
0: team interact every day with the children and everything. And as the week progressed, you know, the children got more attached to us and more attached. And at the end of the week, they did something that they had been working on very special for us. Um, they, we went into a gym, and they brought all the kids in the afternoon uh, to that gym, and we played some big, huge group games together. And then we sang some songs with them, or they sang the songs we kind of watched. You know, most of us speak English. But um, anyways... It was an amazing time, and then they had us get in the middle, and uh, they wanted to pray over us, and so you have all these kids, about 80 kids surrounding our team, uh, reaching out their hands towards us, praying for us, and... And then after that, uh, they gave us tons of cards, like probably like 50 or 60 cards that they had been making during the week, uh, just thanking us how much, uh, spending time with them that week, uh, doing the activities that we did with them, helping them to uh, paint their courtyard and everything as well. And all these kids, you know, you got mobbed by five or six kids at the same time trying to hug in everything. They were asking, when would we come back? You know, uh, don't go and all those types of things. And so it just kind of really uh, broke our hearts uh, as they did that. Um, but you guys would be very proud. This, These guys did an amazing job. Uh, the team that was down there and the love that they shared with these kids. And, you know, sometimes it's interesting. We think Did we really make a difference in a week? And yet um, realize that these kids are coming from areas where people are coming to them to get them to recruit them, to sell drugs, into prostitution, to abuse them. And yet they have adults who come in who are strangers and who offer love in a non-threatening way, and they remember that. And they remembered that wholeheartedly. And so um, let's just thank the team for going down there and uh, what they did. And so thanks, guys. And I'm going to bring up uh, Cody. There he is. (laughs) And um, we're just going to talk a little bit about a few moments of impact um, that... Kind of happened on the trip that, you know, kind of like what Christina was talking about that you just didn't expect and everything. And so, uh, Cody, my question for you is, um, you know, tell us about the impact that the team had upon the team that was coordinating us, coordinating the trip for us. Um, Tell us about this team uh, that led us down there while we were down there.
7: Well, it's, it's funny because you expect, uh, seeing everything that we saw down there, you expect God to, uh, totally change you in certain environments, but his plan is totally different than what we think. Um, so we had, uh, we had a cameraman down there named Carlos. Uh, we were superstars. We had paparazzi. Um, and then we had, uh, an interpreter with us the entire time named, uh, named Pia. And um, it was cool. They were able, normally they don't do mission trips. They do uh, more educational trips uh, from colleges, from basketball teams, from different environments. So this is something new to them. But they got to hang out with us through the thick and thin of everything. Um, All the child care centers, the foster homes, uh, Los Guidos, they were there with us. Um, So they got to see it and they didn't realize that any of this was going on. And they live right around the corner from there. So they didn't see the impact that Alto was actually making in the community. So it completely just impressed upon them. Um, And uh, Carlos, our cameraman, actually he went home, and he was telling one of his neighbors about it, like, oh, this place is awesome, you know, it really affected me big time, um, they're just ha- having these Christian impressions upon him, and he wasn't a believer, you know, he made it clear that, you know, he's seen it and kind of wasn't really about it yet, not uh, impressing on his heart, and uh, the person he was talking to, um, his neighbor was a successful businesswoman in the area, and she's like, I went through that process, I was, uh, I was in foster care through Roble Alto, so it was a, it was a pretty cool impact on him. And then the next day, he came back, and he told us he was super excited. Um, and then I had a couple conversations with him about it, about God and stuff. And uh, he's like, what's the wristband about? In um, his Spanish accent, of course. I don't have a real good Spanish accent, or I do it. Um, and I was like, this is just to remind us what God's game plan is for us, the 5Gs, you know, that we don't just do church, we live out church. And uh, he's he just kind of looking at me like all weird. And uh, I was like, we want to make sure that uh, we're like the bridge to Christ, and um, and that we don't point fingers at people. We want to bring them in. And uh, he was like, I, I, I don't get it. He's like, all the churches around here um, are very old and stuck in their ways, and they don't do that. I don't go there. So it was pretty cool having that conversation. And that opened up a door to Tim to talk to him. It was like, well, we have this Project Open House, you know, this church that's starting. Come and check it out. He's like, no, not yet, not yet, you know. But it was cool that God used us in that moment, something that you know we didn't even know it was there and uh, and it also happened with uh with Pia you know at the end she made it very clear that um, the way we live, the way we do things uh, we were completely different than anybody else she 's dealt with, and it was easy to be accepted into our family and uh and i I hardly knew any of these people before we went. You know, I knew a couple of them. I see them here and, uh, and we were learning each other's characteristics, um, going through, uh, everything about each other just in that process. And for them to feel so accepted coming into what we were doing was, was awesome. So it was cool that God used us in that way. Yeah. Well, Cody,
0: tell us, um, here, how did the trip personally affect you? What did God
7: work on your heart? Um, well my kids don 't they were happy to see me come back, but also once I got back they 're like i'm like you 're eating all your food you 're not leaving the table for weeks until it 's all gone um, and they 're like, "Oh, come on, Dad awesome, see you next week um, but no it 's a uh I grew up right outside of Detroit, um, and I, we didn 't have a lot of money and I every once in a while I, I go down into the communities when i 'm up in detroit i 'll drive through in the ghettos and um, in orlando when i 'm there, my wife hates it because I drive through and check things out she 's like i don 't feel safe lock the doors, but I like to see that stuff um, and uh, what we 've seen in Los Guitos was just completely different, and it just uh, it was a reality check and to go into the care center and see the kids just full of life was awesome. You know, it's just, it, it was a huge impact for me. Um, I appreciate, you know, what I have now a little bit more. And, and uh, I just look at things. I'm like, I don't need that. You know, it's, it's and it's so hard. Like I came back and everybody's like, oh, tell me about the trip. Tell me about the trip. And I'm like, I didn't process it really because it was so overwhelming. I'm like, it's interesting. You know, it's just to see it. And Hannah Crowley goes, you better come up with something better than that to tell everybody up on stage. And I was like, But it's a lot to process, and it's like every day I get something else out of it as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm talking to somebody else. You know, it's just, it's like a daily reminder now. So cool. Well, thanks, Cody. Thank you very much for sharing that and everything.
0: You know, talk about investments and impact. Uh, The week before we got to Costa Rica, there was another team and a pastor uh, who was having a conversation with some of the older adolescents who were there. And he asked them this question He said, What would you do? Um, if Roble Alto was not here. And a young boy said, um, if Roble Alto wasn't here, I wouldn't have meaning in my life. And, uh, you know, it kind of shocked him because he wasn't, you know, anticipating such honest and truthful and transparent uh, answers. And another girl said, you know, that she, without Roble Alto, she would be a prostitute. And then another girl said, without Roble Alto, she would be dead. And um, it's just amazing to know that these kids know exactly where they would be at uh, if it wasn't for this organization that had been making such an impact on their lives. And uh, it's interesting, at the beginning of the week, like we knew a little bit about Roble Alto before we got there, but we just didn't know the depth of what they were doing. And we were uh, doing a little bit of a tour of the city uh, right when we got there. And we went to a market area and there was a young girl Uh, selling things, and she had seen our team and stuff, and she asked me a question of, like, why are you here? And I told her, and she said, well, who are you going to be working with this week? And I said, Alto." And her face just lit up. I mean, it just lit up. And uh, she said, really? She said she went to Roble Alto and uh, that she had a godfather from Germany who had been a sponsor to her uh, as she went through Roble Alto. And it was just amazing to hear that story at the beginning of the week, not really know exactly what she was talking about, the depth of what this organization does, and then at the end of the week, realize how much of an impact that this organization is having. And sometimes we think that you know our lives still make a difference or what impact can we have maybe in a week when we do this but yet there's a city full of children whose lives have been impacted by roble alto and by mission teams that go back constantly on a regular basis and sometimes we like hardcore measurements and we love to see results but yet when we trust God and we step out on faith and we go and serve him in a place that might be foreign to us where we don't speak the language, we may not like the food, but that wasn't the case on this trip. Um, when we go on trips like that, And we spend time with these children, it impacts them. And it makes an investment in their lives. And there are hundreds and hundreds of kids today. The woman who's a professional, her kids are professionals. And it changes people's lives because it's proactive. It's an investment. It's a thing that we can do and we can show. And Jesus, before he left, he said to his disciples, here's a new command that I give you, to love one another just as I have loved you. And when you love one another, then the world will know who I am, who Jesus is. And it was amazing to watch our team come together to show love amongst our team members, to show love to these children, to see observers who would not normally be at Roble Alto that week, who were kind of foreign to the concept of mission teams coming in, to observe us and at the end of the week pretty much say, there's something different about you guys. You guys are like a family. There's so much love and I feel a part of that love. What is it that's different about you guys? And so it's an amazing thing that's going on, and 80 years at it, and there's still a huge need. They have to turn away kids on a regular basis uh, because they do not have enough centers down there uh, in the city of San Jose. But yet there's this church that is inspiring the hearts of people who can make a difference there, and yet partnering with an organization like Roble Alto, who's doing such a tremendous job, and we get to be a part of that as well. So thank you guys so much for your prayers, for your support, for what you did as well. And during the service, I don't know if God's like tugging on your heart, like how do we get involved? How do we make a difference in everything uh, on a regular basis? And so if God's been kind of stirring your heart and you're like, okay, you know, I was going to go on the mission trip this year. I didn't sign up or something. I didn't put in that application. What we would like you to do is if you feel like you need to take a step, and it always begins with a small step of faith, um, we're going to be uh, having more mission trips next year. And so we, if you're interested, we would love to, for you to go to our Involve tab, Uh, everything that we do, whether it's globally or locally, is under our Involved tab, and sign up there. And what that will do is just begin the process of, as we get more information, we'll give you more information about the trips for next year, but just right now, just raise your hand. But something else that's dear to our heart, as we partner with other churches in other countries, and we love to see what they're doing in their community, we also love to do things in our own community as well. And that's why we partner with great organizations who are already making a difference here locally. And so there's a couple opportunities this fall that are coming up to make a difference right here in our own county. And one of those organizations that we partner with on a regular basis is Habitat for Humanity. It is a tremendous organization to realize the depth of what they do. And so what they do is people who are in a low-income situation that could not afford a house, they make it, uh, because of all their partnerships and the building supplies and everything, they make it possible for people who are usually single mothers or single fathers to be able to buy a house at a low, low, low rate but still pay for it, and also require them to go out and work um, tons and tons of hours on other homes as well. And so when we go on this project, you're working beside other people who eventually will get a house because they are there working and putting in their hours as well, and you get to know them, and it's a great opportunity to make an impact here locally on our community. So we're going to be having another build September 29th, and then you can sign up on a regular basis uh, with them to make a difference right here in our county. And then also a new partnership that I want to tell you about that we are forming is the Grace Community Food Pantry. They are doing an amazing job right here in our county. They feed and help clothe 1,500 families a month right here in Flagler County. They are the second largest food pantry in northern Florida, and it's right in our own backyard. And so um, as they get into the summer months, their food pantry kind of goes down because, uh, you know, people usually give at holidays and stuff like that. And so now they're kind of reaching some critical moments and everything. So the very first thing that we want to do with them is to do just a food drive slash clothing drive in the month of August. So we're going to have a table out here in the lobby, and if you would bring uh, hygiene products, canned food or food, and there's a whole list under the Involved tab um, on our website and everything, and also um, clothing that hasn't been really used, so you know, we're about to start up school, as you go through your kids' clothing and stuff and see what they need, uh, as you clean out your closets and stuff, stuff that hasn't been used too much, um, would you bring those things in? And this was a real tangible way that we can make a huge difference in many families that aren't poor because you know they're not doing anything. It's mainly most of these families, uh, these people have lost their jobs and they're looking for work and they need something just to get them by. And that's the majority of these families that are needing help on a regular basis. And Grace Community Food Pantry is doing an unbelievable job in what they're doing. So why don't we join with them and making a difference in families' lives and in these children's lives that attend and work amongst us in our own local community. And so that's what God is up to, a little bit of glimpse of his heartbeat around here globally and then also locally as well. And so would you step up? Would you get involved? Would you be the church rather than just do church and show up on Sunday? Would you be a part of changing lives and making an investment for eternity. So let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are, that you are the great and awesome God, that you care so much about our lives, that you are making a difference. When we begin to see your hand at work, God, you are doing some amazing things, and yet sometimes we don't see it. And so, God, would you continue to open up our eyes and open up our ears to what you are doing globally and locally in our communities. And we just thank you so much for the people who stepped out on faith. Thank you so much for all the people here at Epic who supported these guys, um, prayed for them. And God, it is amazing to watch um, what can happen when we come together and we recognize The love that you have for us, and the love that we can share to each other, and how much of a difference that makes when people see our love for one another. And so we thank you so much for what you are doing. You are great. You are awesome. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Talk to someone on your way
7: out. Well, good morning. Buenos dias. <laughs> My name is Cody, and I'm here at Epic Church to give you the epic news. As you can see, I've been watching the Olympics the past, uh, the past day. I've been to, Anybody else watching the Olympics, keeping up with it? Man, with some great competition out there, right? Um, Well, I got some good news for you this week. Um, We have the global leadership coming up on August 9th and 10th. And if you're interested in becoming more of a leader, a more powerful leader, uh, if you are a leader at home, at work, in the church, this would be something great for you. Um, If you want to be a leader, this would be something great for you. If you don't want to be a leader um, and you'd like to be voluntold, this would be great for you. Everybody can take something away from this. It's absolutely amazing. I went there last year, and they have a great group of speakers there this year. Um, And also we have Epic Surge. A Girls' Night Out is coming up on August 3rd. Um, and we are going to be having an Art and Soul studio. It's from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. The cost is $10, and it'll just be an amazing time for all the girls, especially uh, the new ones coming into Surge uh, for the 7th grade. Everybody coming into 7th grade is allowed to be able to come and hang out with us. It'll be a great way to get them introduced to everybody just in a comfortable environment. And, guys, I didn't forget about you also. And two weeks after that, we'll be having a Cubbies night down at Daytona's Cubs. So uh, we'll be getting a group. Just uh, keep up with Facebook, the Facebook page Epic Surge on Facebook, and check. Out all the insight that we have on there. Um, and something else we talk about here regularly at Epic Church is just giving of our time, talents, and resources. And if you call Epic your home, um, there's two ways that you can give here. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in our giving boxes, which we have one right over here and one in the hallway um, that you can give there. And if you're just a visitor, if you're just checking this out, this isn't for you. This is just for our Epic family. So uh, thank you for coming. Um, enjoy the rest of the service.